What's up, everybody? Today we dive into the details of the Millennial Kingdom. But first, let me reiterate a couple of other details. Everyone must have a resurrected body if they have died before or during the tribulation. This body is like the one Christ received upon his resurrection. It is a glorified physical body. Remember, Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection and allowed Thomas to touch him. He also sat down and ate with them. That lets you know a little about the nature, a little bit about the nature of this new body. This new body will not age, get sick, it cannot die, and it will be free from the sin nature that our current body has. Those uh, those born during the millennial kingdom will be sons of Adam, meaning they will have a sin nature. However, those with resurrected bodies or glorified bodies will have no sin nature. Also, think about this this little ditty. When the Israelites entered Egypt under Joseph's protection, there was only like 75 of them, but under uh, even under oppressive conditions, they grew to over 3 million in approximately 400 years. So imagine how man can and will multiply when conditions are optimal, I mean better than optimal, and will have more than double the amount of time that the Israelites had. Not to mention there will surely be more than 75 that enter the kingdom with natural bodies between the Jews and the Gentiles. So that being said, by the end of the thousand years, it will make sense how Satan gathers a great army to try and wage war on Jesus. More on that, though, soon enough. As we begin to look at the details of the millennial kingdom, you will notice that in Revelation 20, verse 6 through 7, there is only mention of details before and after. The entire 1,000 years of the Millennial Kingdom lies between those two verses in that little dash. However, we can find details on the kingdom in the Old Testament and the New Testament. They are spread out from Genesis to Malachi. And in the New Testament, it is mentioned 160 times, 125 of which are in the Gospels alone. The truth is the Bible speaks extensively about the kingdom and in the Old Testament, it is a major theme, and it is probably, I would say, it's a theme that's second only to the Messiah. Jesus talked of entering the kingdom, living in the kingdom, ruling in the kingdom, and having an inher- and us having an inheritance in the kingdom. Ironically, man, you know, ironically, many people, should I say, have a limited understanding of the millennial kingdom, largely based on what I've heard referred to as a hallmark theology, which is 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 so. Uh, poignant. There is, you know, this is our future, our inheritance, our reward. Why would we not want to truly understand it? You know, maybe people aren't sure where to look. And my goal is to help shed some light on the awesomeness of what is our inheritance. Uh, Let's jump in and see what scripture says about the millennial kingdom. The concept of the kingdom progresses from a promise in the Old Testament to a proposal during Jesus' ministry, to a program of recruiting during the church age, to an actual place on earth after the tribulation. In this kingdom, there will be peace, no fear, no struggles, no no pain or sorrow, no sickness. You know, you'll have a place you can call home with possessions that can never be taken away. You know, work that is meaningful and not burdensome or, t- or strenuous and worship that exceeds anything we could comprehend not to mention we will enjoy a world that has been upgraded from what it is now we will divide our you know study as we go through into four parts 
First, we will look at how the order of creation and the nature of it has changed since Adam sinned in the garden. Second, we will study the people in the kingdom and the quality of life. Third, we will look at Jesus in this new kingdom and the nature of worship at the kingdom temple. And fourth, we will look at a at culminate at the culminating event that that comes at the end of the millennial reign or the millennial kingdom, which is the battle of Gog and Magog. But definitely more on that later. These four parts will truly shed a lot of light on the kingdom and give an overall deeper understanding of what to expect. So let's begin with going back to the beginning in Genesis. Uh, chapter 3, 17 through 19, God tells Adam because of his sin, the ground would be cursed and he would have to work and labor to get it to, to get the ground to produce food for him to eat. The ground would now grow. Uh, it would now grow other plants that would crowd out and choke out the, the good plants, which means, you know, man would now have to constantly work and manage the land in order for the crops to produce uh, or to yield its fruit or to produce you know, a harvest. Before this curse was put on the land, man did not have to work the land like that. He could walk outside and the land produced its own, uh, it produced on its own all the food man would need. You know, there was no bad plants that choked out the good plants like weeds, etc. All you see, uh, also you see the curse of sin that comes on not only the earth, but every living thing in it. Now man's days are numbered, meaning death now now enters into the order of creation. Um, in the garden, man and the rest of creation was intended to live forever. Animals and man all ate plants. So basically, we were, we were created as vegetarians, essentially. Um, but all living creatures and, and man got along during that time. There was no fear of one another. They all lived in peace. But with sin and the curse of sin, the order changed and things began to die and violence soon entered, leading to people killing other people and sickness entered creation, also leading to death. The process of succumbing to the natural decay and deterioration of the body became part of creation. So after the curse of sin, the order of creation changes to introduce introduce death, decay, sickness, disease, frailty, violence, uh, or killing, along with hard and strenuous labor uh, to work the ground in order to produce food to survive. Then after the flood in Noah's time, God makes more changes to the order of creation. Genesis uh, 9, 1-3 tells us that after the flood, God told man to increase and multiply, as did the animals, of course. He also told man that all living things were now food for him, so we could eat meat. Just as God gave the plants to him to eat before the flood, you know. In addition to that, God put the fear of man in all the animals. This would now introduce the predator-prey dynamic. So animals would attack man, and some animals would attack man and kill them or harm them, and man would hunt animals for meat or food, or for just they would kill them just to protect them. You know, if they were to try to attack them. So animals would also start to hunt and eat each other. Um, creation would now be set against each other. Isaiah tells us how the kingdom will change this dynamic and restore it to the days of the garden. 
Isaiah 11, 6-9 says, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the, with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the the sea. The relationship between man and animal will be like that of the garden, like it was in the Garden of Eden. There will be no killing and no fear of one another. All creation will live in peace like they did in the garden. Kids can run and play and parents won't have to worry about some someone taking them or doing bad, th- bad things to them. You can, all, you can also let them run throughout the land and even swim in the waters and the seas and there'll be no fear you know, of snakes or sharks or anything else that would once be a danger. You know, it also says that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. That doesn't just mean they know who he is. It means they know his ways, his laws, his statutes, his expectations. So creation will obey him fully. It's important to understand that heaven is not just one place. It is wherever Jesus is. And initially upon death and upon the second coming, it is a place apart from this world where the throne room of God is. Some know it as the third heaven, the atmosphere and the outer, and outer space being the first and second heavens. But when Jesus establishes the millennial kingdom, heaven for us will be on earth with him in his kingdom. You know, there is no mention of pets in the third heaven uh, or the throne room of God, should I say. But when we return with Christ to dwell in his kingdom on earth, essentially heaven on earth, uh, there will be animals. And Isaiah tells us man will once again have complete dominion over all animals and creatures. Even It even says that a young child will be able to lead the lions and you know they will follow him so like the days of the garden all animals will be able to be domesticated and ruled uh by man they will obey man uh so to speak so ezekiel 34 26 through 27 says i will send down showers in in season there will be showers of blessing the trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops the people will will be secure in the land Ezekiel 36.30 says, I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. In the kingdom, the nature of things is reversed back to the days of the garden uh, where the earth and the trees will yield its fruit and crops without man having to toil and labor strenuously over it. If there is any farming to do, so to speak, it will be easy and effortless because the land and the trees will produce their crops as they did during the time of the garden, according to God's plan. God will provide for us. Ezekiel thirty-six thirty-five. they will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, which is what we saw at the end of all the judgments, are now fortified and inhabited. This speaks to the restoration of the world and the nature of the of things being like that of the garden. This is another picture of grace. God will do all the work and we will get to reap all the blessings. Blessings only afforded to us because of grace. Now let's look at Isaiah 30, 23, 26. 
So 23 through 26. He will also send you rain for you uh, for the seed you sow in the ground, and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day, your cattle will graze in broad meadows. The oxen and donkeys that work the soil will eat fodder and mash spread out with fork and shovel. In in the day of great slaughter, when the towers fall, streams of water will flow on every high mountain and every lofty hill. The moon will shine like the sun, and the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the like the light of seven full days, when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds he inflicted. I love this passage. It shows that, yes, we will, ha- we will have to work. Uh, we will have work to do, should I say, but it will not be strenuous or difficult. It will be a joy. God will send the rain and bless the crops so that they're plentiful. The cattle will have plenty of room to graze and, and eat well. But this passage also tells us that it is referring to the millennial kingdom because it says that in the day of the great slaughter, which was Armageddon, when Jesus slays all the enemy forces, and it says when the towers fall, which is also a reference to the details of the battle when the enemy built towers and laid siege to Jerusalem, etc., and Jesus destroyed them upon his return, then it shows us that the waters are restored and will flow abundantly from every mountain and lofty hill. You know, I love the ending because it shows the sun and moon will never go dark again, and he will tend to his people and heal the wounds he inflicted through his judgment. God restores the earth to be like the days of the Garden of Eden, and he restores the wounds he inflicted. Scripture even says that in the kingdom, we will not remember the days of the past. The troubles of the past will not even come to mind. In this passage from Isaiah, we notice that the landscape is different from what it looks like today and definitely different from what it will look like at the end of God's judgments. The mountains with rivers flowing from them all around, you will even uh, you will even be able to get you know a, tan, a nice tan even at night you know, under the moonlight because the moon will shine like the sun. Now, seriously, though, if the if this reference to the sun and the moon is literal, then that, too, will is another change which would require even more changes so that we can live under those conditions. But it could also just be contrasting the joy that the sun and moon will never be darkened again like it was during the judgments. But that would be pretty cool if you could just get a suntan at night. I guess it would be a moontan then. But anyway, it is clear so far that things will revert back to the days of the garden in a manner of speaking. But there are two things that we know won't change. One will be death because of sin and those with mortal bodies having a sin nature. Death will still be present. Not for those, with, not for those of us with resurrected bodies, but only for those who have mortal bodies still. You know, and the second thing is snakes. Snakes will not return to their prior form uh, prior to the sin curse in the garden. We know that Satan used a snake to appear to Adam and Eve, and the snake was cursed to crawl on its belly from then on. So obviously before then, the snake stood upright or had legs, and, and it didn't slither on its belly. But we know that it will stay that way during the kingdom Isaiah 65:25 says the wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like the ox and dust will be the serpent's food meaning it will still crawl on its belly they will neither harm nor destroy on on all of my holy mountain 
says the Lord. The serpent will stay. It'll stay like it is crawling or slithering on its belly. I'm sure there is some symbolism that can be extracted from that, but we will save that for another time. Okay. All right, guys, I am going to stop here and tomorrow we will pick up with the rest of part one of this study on the Millennial Kingdom as we take a look at more details on the change to the landscape and the borders, primarily the borders of Israel, um, which will be where the temple will be at, and it'll be the hub of, of life, so to speak. But we'll take a look at how those change, as well as some other cool details that you d definitely don't want to miss, like how Jesus' government will govern and deal with sin. Uh, the mountain that will stand taller than the rest and the temple that you know that will sit on it and much more there's so much don't miss it all these details help paint a picture of what is to come of this place we will one day call home thank you god for the promises and the hope of what is to come it is so exciting to learn about the kingdom that we will one day call home i truly can't wait to see it to live freely and completely under your grace and walk in your ways without struggle. It truly is a promise that I cling to. But as it stands now, Lord, we must still face our struggles and stand against the storms and face the enemy head on. So I ask for strength and perseverance for your people that we may rise up and declare your truth until the day comes in which you take us home. Help us to show others the joy of salvation, the freedom from fear, the strength found in your name, the calm in the storm. Let the world and especially those around us see us praise you in all circumstances. And let those same people see your hand on your church. Let all these things point others to you so that the full number may come into the family. Amen.